Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Carla from Gracefully Yours Greeting Cards. Did you know that there are over 300,000 churches in America with kitchens? And inside those kitchens are millions of church kitchen ladies that serve potluck meals and wisdom. Inspired by these women, Gracefully Yours has created 24 different greeting cards that range from birthday to encouragement to thinking of you. Church kitchen ladies say the funniest things, like crunch tacos, not abs, mind your own biscuits, and life will be gravy, and shh, your crazy is showing. If you want to spread some funny on the sandwich of life, buy Church Kitchen Ladies cards today at gracefully-yours.com. Hey, welcome back to Success Made to Last Legends. I'm Rick Tokini. This show is presented by Heather Barnes Media and Gracefully Yours Greeting Cards, home of those crazy church kitchen ladies. And our very special guest today on Legends is John Barry. He is a Grammy Award-winning country singer, songwriter extraordinaire. And he is releasing a new album, Find My Joy, featuring heartfelt renditions of gospel classics that have inspired him offstage and grounded his lauded musical journey. Mr. John Barry, welcome to Legends. Thank you, my friend. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Man, I could read your bio all day long, which includes a connection to the Gaithers, and I know Gloria Gaither really well. So it's it's a wonderful that we've got some of those connections, but I want to hear your backstory from the horse's mouth. Well, how far back you want to go? <laughs> Let's start with uh, where you were born and how your uh, where you were born in your hometown influenced your upbringing. Well, I'm originally from Macon, South Carolina, and um, I was the third child of Jim and Marie Berry, two wonderful, fine, fine Christian folks. Uh, my mom was a lovely person, lovely soul. Uh, you loved my mama. She'd have loved you. She's one of those kind of people who just loved folks and pulled the good out of them, you know. Whether they thought they mm-hmm. had any or not, she'd find it. My dad, Jim, was a hardworking man, uh, worked construction, and uh, I grew up in a home where I knew my mom and dad loved each other. I knew they loved me and my brother and sister, and, and they inspired us to chase after our dreams, whatever they might be, 
regardless if it was conventional or not. And uh, so it was a matter of fact, my dad helped me build a little recording studio in the basement of our house. That's where I cut my first four independent records. And uh, so I started playing guitar when I was uh, 12 years old and I I was getting ready to begin eighth grade with all my friends I'd gone to elementary school with, uh, started playing guitar that summer and then went to started high school in September of, of that year. And, um, over Thanksgiving break, unexpectedly, we moved to the other side of the county. So on Wednesday, when we got out of school for Thanksgiving weekend, I said goodbye to all my friends. Say, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Uh, not so much. So mm-hmm. I went from going everybody, knowing everybody to knowing nobody and lived in a little na- nice little neighborhood, but I didn't know anybody. Went to a high school. The only person in the entire building I knew was my big brother. And big brothers don't typically have a lot to do with little brothers. And uh, so my guitar that I had just really begun playing several months before um, kind of became my best friend. And it became sort of an icebreaker for me to have a guitar with me and play for people and just different things. And so it, 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 was, a, it was a good thing. And so... Uh, that's where music really got started for me. I became friends with other musicians at high school. A uh, uh, couple of them, matter of fact, one of them, David Ray. Uh, I just, uh, this past Sunday night in, um, I'm sorry, this, this, this upcoming Sunday night in Greensboro, Georgia, I'm doing a concert at his church. And uh, we've, been, we've been friends since 10th grade in high school. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, our, and our other friend, Perry Barton, who plays piano, play, helped me produce all my independent records. He lives here in Nashville, and I see him from time to time. So made lifelong friends at that school. Just uh, it, was a, it was a difficult time, but ended up being some of the best days of my life. Wow. And thus the roots influence you to, to become the man that you are today and the songwriter. So let's jump into what, it, what was the first song that you wrote and what made it so unique oh i i don't really know but the first song I wrote probably the earliest song i can remember writing that i still sing i get especially when we play back home in the athens georgia area where i lived for so many years and uh, really got my music career started um a song called if i ever do get famous i wrote it when i was I don't know, 17 or something. Uh, if I ever do get famous, if I ever make it good, I won't move out to Houston and for sure not to Hollywood. I'll just stay right here with the rednecks in the deep red Georgia clay because Georgia's my home and Georgia's where I'll stay. <laughs> and, oh, uh, man. When I, when, I was playing in, when I was playing in Athens, Georgia, uh, University of Georgetown, that, that, uh, amongst our followers, that was a, a favorite song, especially during football season. <laughs> you bet. But, I, but the, 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 I'm not sure exactly when I wrote that song, but I do know that spring of 1977, when I was um, grasping in my mind that my high school days were coming to a close, I wrote a song called The Graduation Song. And um, this during the pandemic, the song kind of got revived because my, my youngest son, who plays drums with me and also plays with uh, Ali Colleen and some other artists, 
He said, Dad, he said, while we're sitting around doing nothing, he said, Can we, would you trust me to re record the graduation song? And we could create something to put out there because there are lots and lots of high school graduations and college graduations that are not going to happen. And all these students are not going to get that opportunity to walk across the stage and be celebrated. So, and I thought that was pretty, pretty cool of him to want to do. And, and so he got me to record a guitar vocal scratch. And then he built at his studio, he laid down a drum track, sent it to our bass player at his house. He put it on a bass track, sent it back. And then our guitar player did the same. Our piano player did the same. We built this song. And then we, we got everything over here and uh, put background vocals on it and all that kind of thing. And then we had it mixed. And then the local high school here in Gallatin, Tennessee, let us use their campus since it was vacant. And uh, we walked just to mm. walk through the halls and shot high school scenes down the hallway mm. of the shot of lockers or the football mm-hmm. field, just different things, and put together a video along with people from our Facebook page that we asked if they would send us photos of their graduating seniors that would not be walking graduation. And we layered them in, kind of flying them in and out. And I was really impressed with the work that they did. And uh, it was just a lot of fun and nice to see this old song that I wrote 45 years ago or something, uh, and have new life breathed into it for a moment. So. What's rich about that story is the fact that your offspring recognized the significance of that song at a time when people were kind of sad and lonely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, it's very cool that he would think of that, um, especially you know, he, was a few, he was a few years. He was about, he's 26 now, and a few years out of, out of high school, obviously, and, but still thinking back on the importance of it to him when he mm-hmm. walked across that stage, you know, and, uh, and got his diploma. So pretty significant. Yeah. That's the power of a song. And we tell our young songwriters that all the time that you're, that a great song travels and it's, and sometimes it's timeless, just like your graduation song. Hey, tell me about your new album, find my joy. And, um, why are you so excited about find my joy? Uh, Steve, if any of your listeners don't know Steve, more than likely he's written songs that are part of the soundtrack to to their lives. Uh, He's written so many songs. He has a book that he wrote last year called, Yeah, I Wrote That One Too. And he's written songs for Celine Dion, Barbara Streisand, Garth Brooks. Uh, I, I can't even, it's a list a mile long. And I had throat cancer. I was diagnosed on January 4th of 2019. It had started back in October with a tickle in my throat that I explained. It felt like I had the skin of a Spanish peanut stuck in my throat. It wouldn't go away. Drank water, drank water, drank water. Uh, recorded a, a CD called Thomas Road, which uh, had the single on it, more uh, Beautifully Broken from the movie, Beautifully Broken. Um, I did my Christmas tour. I finally went and got a checkup right before the tour. And they said, oh, looks like you have a tonsil infection. So 
put me on a round of antibiotics, went halfway to the tour, wasn't any better, got another round of antibiotics, finished the tour, got home, no improvement, actually was a little worse, got in to see a specialist, Dr. Spire. I walked into Dr. Spire's office, and he said, hey, John, good to see you again. I'm like, when did I see you the first time? He said, ah, you wouldn't remember. Back in 1997, when you had vocal cord surgery, I was an intern on your surgery. First off, it's amazing that he would even remember that. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. Uh, I, 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 I refer to it as, as God's humor about how he puts people in our lives at unexpected moments. And, and I needed to have someone like him that I would see who understood. I mean, everyone's voice is important, but at least he understood what I did for a living using my voice. So, and, um, he said, well, let's take a look. And, um, he took out a flashlight, looked down my throat, turned his light off, sat back in his chair. He said, I'm a straight shooter. No BS here. That's throat cancer. Just like that. And, um, he said, what you're seeing is, that big tonsil of yours, that's a tumor that's growing out of your throat. <laughs> and uh, they, I had a, a tonsillectomy a few days later. They biopsied the other tonsil. There was another tumor developing in it. So uh, I had, uh, as precautions to be sure any cancer cells were uh, eliminated, I had uh, radiation five days a week for seven weeks, and I had chemotherapy once a week for eight weeks. And the cancer is not so bad. The treatments, on the other hand, will kill you. (laughs) Um, I I got a little word of advice from my bass player, Michael, who's been playing bass with me off and on since 1984. He had the exact same cancer a year before me. And he said, John, uh, I'm so sorry this is happening to you, but he said, I'm going to give you one piece of advice that you're not going to want to do. But he said, please do it. Get a feeding tube. I'm like, I don't know. But he said, trust me, get a feeding tube. You're not going to want to eat. And he was right. I got a feeding tube um, pretty directly and uh didn't use it for a long time, but then I got to the point where I, I had no interest. I would, I would not have survived without it. Um, and then, um, you know, went through all that. I go for checkups every six months. My last checkup, my doctor said, he said, we're three years out. And I, I know I'm going to see you for the next six months, for the next two years, because we're looking for that five-year clean mark. He said, but... If something happened and I never saw you again, I wouldn't be worried about this. He said, you shouldn't either. Go live your life. See you in six months. So uh, they, they, uh, the, mm. I've been out doing concerts. I recorded, uh, and, and back to the whole reason for recording this album, Find My Joy, is because I had started this album a few times over the years and just never came together. Just never felt right. The, the, producer's vision always seemed to be very youth driven and I'm an old man. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing 65. So, um, 
And I look at an uh, internet says that's a senior citizen. Hello. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I didn't want to do a record that felt like an old guy trying to be cool and hip, you know, I just wanted to be who I am. And I also wanted to just always explain, I wanted right. to be an extension of my Christmas music, beautiful production, beautiful arrangements. And mm -hmm. that's where Steve Dorf came in. My manager sent me a song during my recovery, Find My Joy. And I looked at that title on my email and I said, what joy? I couldn't even listen to the song. I was so miserable from the chemotherapy, especially. And I lost 80 pounds during that time. And oh my goodness. there was just no joy to be found. And as a follower of Christ, I don't want to get all religious on everybody, but as a follower of Christ, that's a, to put your joy in your circumstances is completely wrong. I find my joy in my Savior. My circumstances are what they are, but I find my joy in Him. So I had to realign my um, thought process and my priorities. And But I finally listened to that song, and it really spoke to me. Beautiful piece of music, great lyric. And just a great, it just came out and it just lent itself to be the title for the record. Other songs on the record are uh, How Great Thou Art. Um, uh, we did six old classic hymns like How Great Thou Art, Greatest Thy Faithfulness, Blessed Assurance, and some others. And then we did a few new songs, uh, 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 Find My Joy, um, well, I Want to Live Like You, um, Something Bigger Than Me, which is up for... Uh, yeah, inspirational uh, song of the year. And it was the and and just it came out came out really really nice. And most of the bands cut with a, uh, the, the most of the records recorded with a small band and a forty five piece string orchestra. And something bigger than me is cut with the Utah Symphony. Nice. So it's quite lovely. Steve did a beautiful job producing this project. Amen to that. It's a significant um, piece of work from our perspective, and that's a perfect segue to cutting to commercial. How can our listeners well, I think uh, get it's this music all today? The usual download sites. Um, if you would like to get a physical copy, uh, go to johnberry.com and go to the store. You can purchase there, and the orders will come into our house and my wife will get the orders and she'll give me the order list and I'll go pick it and we'll ship it. I'll sign it for you too. And uh, so it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is great. Thank you, John, for that. And uh, we will be right back after this message from our sponsor at Heather Barnes Media. Hello, I'm Heather Barnes, food and product photographer and storyteller behind the lens. Our Austin-based team is all about visual solutions. For your brand, it's essential for your product to be memorable and have stickiness. Our clients like Ghirardelli, Tiff's Treats, and Nautamu choose our photography to develop positive associations with their brand. They call our work inspiring because it moves consumers into a relationship with their company. And we can do the same for you. Learn more today at heatherbarnes.com, focused on you, your story, and your success with memorable photography garnished with love. And we're back with Grammy Award-winning country singer and songwriter John Barry. His newest album is Find My Joy. 
and uh, it's got one of our favorite songs on it. Great is thy faithfulness. Uh, what's your What's your favorite line? I, in that I don't know if there's a favorite line. Song? That whole song really speaks to me and my wife. That's a special song to us. Um, going to going back to the cancer treatments. Um, there were times the chemotherapy was uh, there was the effects of it on my body were so tough that I could not leave the bathroom uh, just because of making me so sick. I didn't want to get too far away from a sink or a toilet. And um, as hard, hard as that sounds, it's truth. And there are times at night when I would just sit in there on the floor next to the, next to the, the toilet there. And my wife would come in there and sit on the floor next to me and rub my back. And she would remind me, of all the times God had been faithful to us in our marriage, faithful to her and her family before I knew her, times that she had heard about faithfulness from God to our family before we knew each other. And she would sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Yeah. Mm. With that, I want to dedicate this show we're doing today to a very, very, very close friend, best friend, brother, uh, David Burnett, who is uh, fighting the fight right now. And um, that bathroom floor is a familiar spot. So um, our prayers go out to you, David, and to his wife, Sally. Okay, we're going to move along to a little bit more fun section of this. And John, as I um, mentioned to you in the beginning of the show, before we started, we're going to ask you some questions that will help our uh, listening audience get to know you a little bit better. Some of these border on bizarre, but, you know, when you do your own show, you can kind of uh, go off and and do wonderful things like this. Let's start with this. how did a particular location, city, or even a porch inspire your creativity um, or imagination? A long time ago, maybe 1990, I don't know, 2000. I, I can't remember exactly when I went. Um, I guess the first time I went was 1999. I went to Bordeaux, France as a guest of... Um, Oh my gosh, his name's right on my head. I have to edit this. From the police, there was Stuart, uh, Stuart Copeland and Ian Copeland. And oh, mm-hmm. I went to Bordeaux, France as a guest of... Um, <laughs> I went to Bordeaux, France as a guest of Miles Copeland who was brothers with Ian and Stuart Copeland oh, of the wow. police. And he managed Sting. Mm-hmm. And Miles had a chateau, very large place, that he would host songwriting events. And we would go there for two weeks <laughs> and write with the most unlikely people he would pair people together in groups of three. He said, if there's three of you, somebody's going to be creative that day and it's going to fuel the creative of t- creativity of the other two. And it really is true. Really true. And one year I got to write with 
uh, Gary Burr, who's written a ton of hit songs for a ton of artists, including me. And I got to write with uh, Ed Robinson from the Bare Naked Ladies. I know it's an odd, that's an odd pairing to put us together. Good but dream. we wrote a wonderful song together called She Makes yes, it is. He Makes Me Want Her Again. And it's just a great little song. Oh, wow. And I wrote with um, Carol King, which was a really tr- a, a real treat to write with her. What? Um, I wrote with her son-in-law, oh. uh, who's a remarkable drummer. We wrote together. And it was just really an amazing place uh, to stay in a, what to us in America looks like a castle. You know, it has the, the, the wall around the courtyard and the, mm-hmm. the residences up against the wall and you know, the big, big, huge courtyard and stuff. In the center. And I stayed up in what, what they call the King Suite, which is up one of the, up on one of the big floors. And, and that uh, was a lot of fun. I, was, I thought Carol King would have had that, but, um, it was really quite inspiring to be there on the countryside of okay. Bordeaux and, uh, and to write with such amazing people. Mm. That is the <laughs> coolest story I've heard I wish in collaboration it, ever. Because it's like you're – yeah, no kidding. Because it's like it's, – it's it, as if he was the chemist and he was bringing all these different variety of elements together yeah. – and watching him explode, yeah. and he knew what he was doing intentionally. What a collaborative! It's pretty cool too because you're in a place where uh, cell phones are rare, especially if you're from America. You don't want to be using your cell phone in Europe, at least back in yep. those days. Probably cost you, a, you had to mortgage pay your phone bill, and um, and there was no families there. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just there to work. Nobody. We're not on vacation. You know, um, and so it, it was really quite extraordinary. Mm-hmm. We we really we lived. It was like being at camp. We were at camp for for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. He, he also had amongst all the residents, Crazy. he had these little makeshift recording studios that these guys he'd have these guys come in. At that time, it was all ADATs, you know, uh, eight eight track ADAT machines, and. Uh, they would set up these little recording studios all around the three of them around the property. And once you get a song written or you're getting close to being done, you send a note into scheduling and get one of the rooms to get in there and get a demo cut. And, uh, and then that night at dinner, we would, they would be playing the demos of songs that that morning at breakfast didn't exist. How cool is that? <laughs> Too cool. That is too cool, John. Uh, just a couple more questions for our guest on Legends today. Um, we study uh, fear here, amongst other topics, and we'd love to know what your relationship with fear is and how you've managed it in a post-cancer era. Um, fear. That's, that's, that's a very deep conversation for me. Um, I probably know fear differently than most possibly any of your interviewees. 
Um, when I was nine years old, an event happened to me that scared me almost completely to therapy. I should have gone to therapy. It was so bad. It was horrific. It was, a, it was the fear of horror stories. And it affected me mm. most of my life. Great fear. Um, and took me a long time to deal with it. And probably would have been a lot quicker had I been able to see someone for, that could really help me deal with it. Um, but I, I'm not sure exactly what the question is about the fear. I'm not. Uh, uh, you, you had mentioned post-cancer. Uh, the, the, the fear of cancer was nothing compared to what I experienced as a kid. That's nothing. <laughs> so, okay, it was it, it was it was extreme. I I appreciate I, yeah I appreciate uh, that. It's that's an apples to oranges okay. comparison. I'll uh, I'll move on with another question, uh, knowing that. Uh, your time is of value. And I, I told you uh, before the show that this program is about people that have moved from success to significance, and you've had a beautiful long career. And our our uh, signature question here is, uh, why should people find a place in their heart for significance? I think everyone has an innate desire within themselves for significance. I've never met anyone that just said, um, I just want to go to work, come home. I've never met that person. You know, everyone has dreams and aspirations of significance that level of significance might be different. And also, as we get older, our interpretation, our definition of significance changes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, my my idea of significance is to have put work out there and put myself out there in a way that encourages others and points them in a road that will hopefully not only enrich their lives but their their entire future their eternity so to speak. So. Mm. Thank you for that. You know, as we wrap up this show, John, um, our, um, I'll just say this. I, it sounds like to me that your story has been written for God's glory, if that makes sense. And that, um, when you speak of significance, I just love the fact that what you've got going on with your son 
from a fatherhood perspective is working and it sounds like he's turned out to be a pretty wise kid. Maybe that's the definition of real significance for men today is living out yeah, that I, as a I father. Think, I think probably one of the most significant things a man can do is look back over his life and have children who are leading significant lives and a wife who feels that she has significance, especially a stay-at-home wife like mine. My wife stays at home, and there have yeah. been times early in our marriage that she felt like she wasn't contributing and to not just our household, but to the world, you know? What, what am I contributing? Am, am I just being a taker, you know? She didn't want, mm -hmm. want to do that. And but so it's been my goal to try and help her be significant and, and have that emotion and feeling and of significance within herself and what we do in our in our line of work. And she's very involved. I tell people that if you see uh, uh, something that we're doing that looks man, that's a really cool idea. She probably thought of that, <laughs> and which is truth right there. Isn't that great? Mm. Well, John, thank you for um, bearing your heart today and for your vulnerability. And um, I, I really appreciate it. I found like a, I feel like I found a new friend also. And your new album, Find My Joy, is a is a way to provide encouragement to others and just happens to feature Great Is Thy Faithfulness, which is just a, a milestone song from our perspective. Thank, thank you, John, you so for being on. And to be with we you. appreciate you, man. Likewise. And as we uh, say at the end of every show, and we mean it, we wish you a successful life on a journey to significance. Have a good week.